a reading from Revelation, from which our song of praise was taken. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let us pray. Father, we ask now that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you alone are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to uh, All Saints Sunday. Welcome to a Family Sunday and a Baptism Sunday. And, and just for good measure, welcome also to Standard Time. There's a lot going on today. Here's what we're going to do. Before I get started with the sermon, we're, this is one of those Sundays where there is a lot of preaching in the liturgy. As you go through your bulletin, the text itself has a lot to tell us about why we're here, about what we're doing today. So I'm going to do a couple things in the sermon to sort of go with that, all right? The first thing is that I'm going to give permission to our little ones here, to all of these sweet children that are being baptized today, uh, to be egg timers, if you will. So we're, we're off of our normal schedules. This is a long service. If uh, mom and dad, if, if the children become restless and we need to wrap this thing up a little bit earlier today, that's going to be all right. There's a lot of preaching in the liturgy. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you right from the beginning where we're going with the sermon today. We are gathered today to celebrate the saving work of God, the saving work of God in His people across the world and across time. In other words, all saints, all of the people who have been saved by God, who have been, pulled, who have been drawn by God into the new community of faith. And we're also gathered today to celebrate the particular saving work of God in these who are being baptized today. Baptism is our entry point into the people of God. The two are inseparable. In baptism, we are born into a community, into a new kind of humanity according to the pattern of Christ. So that's where we're going today. Baptism as birth into a community with Christ at its head. You know, there are a lot of ways that Scripture talks about baptism. Anytime you're dealing with something that is just beyond our ability to comprehend, what do we do? We, we begin to pull in metaphors, right? And we begin to pull in a lot of metaphors. How do I describe my love? She is like, what have you, right? Metaphor after metaphor just tumbles out in poetry. Well, the Bible does the same thing with baptism, Right? We talk about baptism as washing, as being washed of sin. We talk about baptism as death and resurrection. We talk about baptism as union with Christ. But perhaps my favorite of the metaphors that we use to talk about baptism is of baptism as birth. Paul, in his letter to Titus, says that Christ has saved us through the washing of rebirth, renewal by the Holy Spirit. Christ tells Nicodemus, listen, if you want to understand the kingdom, you must be born again with water and the Spirit. And throughout the New Testament, we have this theme of baptism being linked to a new kind of life. Now, for those of you who are visiting today, just something you need to know about me, I did my PhD work in human development. 
studying how families and children develop within the context of a community. So when the Bible begins to talk about baptism as birth, I mean, this is something I get excited about. This is an idea that I can really latch on to. All right, birth, I know some things about that. Here's the thing. Birth is always a communal affair. At its best, it's a huge communal affair, right? And there's celebration, and there are grandparents, and grandma and granddad, and aunts, and uncles, and all of these people ready. But even at its most intimate, birth is a communal affair. Even where it's just mom and the baby, or mom and dad and the baby, there has to be someone there to receive the new life, right? This is absolutely essential, that there is a community there that receives the new life. It's absolutely necessary for that life to flourish. Even as the child grows, it does so because of the community within which it exists. The community that clothes it and gives it food, yes, but more importantly, even on a biological level, more importantly, the community that nourishes it the community that cares for it and parents it and raises up into maturity. And you know, if you really want to chase the rabbit on this one, this doesn't stop in childhood. It's true even into adulthood. It's true for all of you. We are dependent upon one another. Even the hermit that goes off and lives by himself, and none of you are hermits that live by yourselves, but even the hermit is dependent for his own understanding of who he is upon the community that raised him. We are dependent upon one another. And this is good and fitting and right. It's a beautiful reflection of the very nature of the Trinity. The Trinity, this eternal relationship of persons, God in making us in his image has made us dependent upon relationships between persons. And there's something beautiful about that. But it's not a perfect reflection, right? And if we spend any time in relationships, some of you even already, as I've talked about family and I've talked about mom and dad and grandma and granddad, you begin to think it's not all good, right? All the things we pass on are not good gifts. You know, we we have a child and uh, we get excited about what we're going to pass on to the child. We have all of these plans about how we're going to teach the child. And and how does it start? Oh, look, he has your eyes. Oh, she has your smile. He's got your temper. He's got your addictive personality. Right? I remember holding my young child and, and you've got all of these goals about what you can pass on. But when this really came home for me, I'll tell you a story. When my oldest child was born, She's about nine right now, but when my oldest child was born, I remember holding her and thinking, I mean, you know, your first child, you, we are going to be the best parents, right? We're, we're pouring everything into this. And she had been alive for about three months. She was born in November, so three months puts us about the end of February. And that year, Ash Wednesday came at the end of February. And we were, at a, we were in Arkansas. We were at a church that was just beginning to lean into the liturgical year And I was asked to help administer ashes. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's a somber occasion. It's a season of penance. And here comes my wife carrying this beautiful, bouncy baby girl whom we absolutely adore, this wonder of life that we are trying so hard to raise rightly. And they come down the aisle, and I experienced one of the beautiful gifts of the liturgy 
which is that the liturgy forces you to face reality. I knew uh, someone once who said the liturgy forces you to pray the things that you otherwise would forget about praying. And so as my daughter brings this little baby girl, here's the liturgy prompting me to confess something to her. Little child, there's something that you have to know about us, something you need to know about humanity. It's all plush toys and bright colors right now, but sin has already come and laid a hand upon you. It's such a hard message, but what else can I truly, truthfully say? How can I, as a person who spends all of their time working with and studying families, how can I not acknowledge that what we receive from one another is both life and death? And so I turned to my daughter and I made the sign of the cross, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Remember that you are in desperate need of a Savior. All of birth is into something, into a community, into a family. And the repeated testimony of Scripture is that we are individuals whose good existence is in the midst of relationships. But concurrent with that is the testimony of Scripture that we are individuals who exist within a community that is fundamentally broken, that is in desperate need of a Savior. We need a Savior to come and redeem not just ourselves, but also our relationships. We need new life and also a new kind of community. And this, this vision of a new community is exactly what our readings are looking at today. It's exactly what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. All of Ephesians, this, this passage that we read, it's, it's got so much theological language. It's so dense. And there's a way in which we're tempted to say, well, that was nice, Paul. I'm sure he meant it well. There's, it, it's worth diving into, though. And what I want to do is just for a few minutes, look at this very last line in the reading we did today. All of Ephesians is a reflection on the church as the people whom God has redeemed through his Son— And we see this at the end. He says, reminding you here, And God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Like I said, there's a lot of imagery going on in that passage. There's a lot of physical imagery, something about a body, something about all of of creation being put under your feet, something about fulfillment, What's going on here? Well, Paul, in a very Jewish way, is talking about Genesis. He's, this is Genesis 1 language. And Paul is, is calling to mind actually a psalm, Psalm 8, which is a reflection on Genesis. And he's beginning to recast the story of creation as a story about the Messiah, as a story that finds its home, that finds its fulfillment in the Messiah. So in Genesis 1, God gives humanity dominion over the earth, right? Fill the earth and bring it under dominion. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates out of humanity a life-giving community. Paul is saying that the church has become the very body of Christ, like Adam says of Eve, right? Look, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Look, this body is a mirror of my own body. Paul is pointing us to the answer to our need for a new kind of community, one that takes as its source not the death that comes from Adam, but the life that comes from Christ. Paul is saying when you are brought into the faith, into the community of God's people, you are born again into a new kind of humanity, 
a humanity that has as its definition, as its originating principle, God himself in Christ Jesus. God has put all things under his feet, and he has given him as head to the church, which is his body. All of creation finds its answer, finds its fulfillment in Christ and in the new humanity. And so baptism, what are, what are we doing today? We're witnessing the birth of these children into the new human community, a restored and fulfilled way of being truly human according to the pattern of Christ. But here's the deal. If that's the case, if what is redeemed is not just individuals but relationships, then that means that we have, in what's happening today, obligations to one another. We have duties to one another. Again, if baptism is a birth, think about it this way. What do, you, what do you have when something's born? You have a baby, right? You have an infant. You have an infant that's dependent upon you. It doesn't matter what age someone is when they're baptized. The only way into the kingdom of God is like that, as a child, as an infant. And so what we're witnessing today is the birth of these children into infancy within the kingdom. And we know what an infant requires, right? Nurturing. If I can go back to Genesis 1 language, God says, remember the first command that God gives, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and bring it under dominion. That second command, multiply, doesn't have anything to do with biology. Okay, so just bear with me for a second here. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful is biology. Multiply has to do with nurture. It has to do with parenting. What he's saying is, take what I've given to you and produce it in this child. Raise them up into fullness. And that command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, goes with us into the new humanity. And we see it in, that was God's first command to humanity. We see it in Christ's first command to the church. Go into all the world, fill the earth, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, be fruitful, and teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. Multiply. Right? We have this commandment from God to baptize and to teach. So God has work for us to do. And we're all making vows today in just a moment regarding these children that are being baptized. So in a moment, as we go through the baptismal liturgy, liturgy I'm going to ask the parents and the sponsors, they're going to come up here, and I'm going to ask them to make a commitment to raising these children in the Lord, to discipling these children, to pursuing the Lord for the sake of their children, and to pursuing their children for the sake of their coming to know the Lord. There's this beautiful mystery here of cooperation within the kingdom of God. But, and here's the thing you might not have known, is I'm also going to ask you in the congregation to make commitments. I'm also going to ask you for a vow. I'm going to ask that you commit yourself to supporting them in that. And this is what it means to be the community of God's people, to invest in, to care for, and to nurture the children of God. You know, some of our brothers and sisters of other traditions, they have a, a very legitimate concern about baptizing infants, right? The concern is, what if we baptize and then we just treat it like we're done? Baptism as a kind of graduation. You made it. We don't have to do anything now. That, I want to be really clear here. That is not how baptism works. You cannot have baptism without discipleship any more than you can have birth without parenting. The two have to go together. 
If these children that we are baptizing today are to grow in the faith, then we all must take earnestly the charge to see that, having been born in the faith, they are now raised in it. And for you in the congregation today, this means that your brothers and sisters need you. They need you to support them in their efforts. They need you to model for their children the life of faith. They need you, dare I say it, to volunteer in the children's ministry. I mentioned earlier that I, I did all this doctoral research on, on families and their communities. One of the things we found, looking specifically at the passing on of faith, is that children are significantly more likely to continue in their faith in adulthood when they have been raised in a community that engaged them, that valued them and made space for them, where they are nurtured by a people that cares for them and welcomes them in. And so today is the Feast of All Saints. It's a celebration of the people of God across time, but also of the people of God here right now. Christ, in uniting us to himself, has bound us up with one another into a new community, a new humanity, one that is called to be fruitful and to multiply, to make disciples through baptizing and teaching, one that is united together as the body of which he is the head completed and filled by the one who has redeemed us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.